what's up, Geek Vibes Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. I'm your host, Nick, and uh, we want to welcome back our valiant hero from his Christmas return, Jojo Baggins, otherwise known as Joel. He actually hates that name. I'm sorry, Joel. I probably shouldn't have even said that. You get it enough from Joel. I'm Joel. <laughs> what's up, man? How you doing? I'm all good, bro. Just relaxing. I, yeah, no, I hear you, man. I've been up since way too early. Um, but, uh, Juwan, what's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm good. And just so you know, Joel, uh, keep me out of that. Uh, don't be mad I'll because never. people enjoy the nickname. You I started it, bitch. <laughs> it's a good nickname. Don't don't try to now yes. throw me. Throw me under the so bus. Juju, Juju's a great nickname. No, it's not. Let's add Kachu no, to it's it. Not. Though. We gotta add Kachu. Yeah, to yeah. It. Juju Kachu, <laughs> like Juju in itself, not a good nickname. Juju Kachu, good nickname. Like Word. I agree. I agree. Crazy thing yeah. is, crazy thing is, I don't want Juju or Kachu. So <laughs> none of the above <laughs> works for me. How about just Choo Choo? How about Choo Choo? I'll take that. I guess. All right, Choo Choo. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, like, I feel like, uh, you know how, like, British people, like, take a phrase and then turn it into, like, something else and then it turns into something else? I feel like we're just going to keep changing that. Like, today it's choo-choo, tomorrow it'll be Thomas. Like, Thomas, the the, the, <laughs> the engine, the little engine that could, and then before you know it, yeah. it'll be something else. And <laughs> yeah. uh, yep, it, it'll, it'll, it'll constantly... Okay. It'll constantly evolve. All right, shut up, Thomas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we got a lot of topics to get into, um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, we have some great Christmas Day games. We're going to talk about several of those amongst a few other things, uh, but let's get it started. Uh, Golden State Warriors, led by KD, held off LeBron and the Cavs to win their Christmas Day grudge match. What are your thoughts on the game, and has Kevin Durant finally surpassed LeBron James as the best player in the NBA? I want to start with you, Joel, because I feel like you'll probably uh, agree no. with me. So, yeah. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, um, it, was a, it was a decent game um, for the most part, and until the end, of course. But um, I will say, no, he's not surpassed. LeBron James for the best player in the game. And I know people like to say that, especially now, but I, I'll never give him that title while he's still with the Warriors. It's just it's ridiculous, in my opinion. Well, damn. That's see to me, like that's a different that's a different qualification. So like I, I while I do agree with you and I and I'll get to a, a few points as to why, um like I don't think you can just say he's he, like he can't best player in the NBA because he, he went and joined the best team in the NBA. Like, I don't, I don't think yeah, that's necessarily <laughs> – I mean, I'm just saying I don't think that's fair. Like, if you're the best player in the uh, NBA, dude. you're the best player in the NBA. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like second best player before. Now he's on the best team. So now he's the best player? Is that how that works? Uh, see, and that in and of itself is an argument. Um, and I think that's, we'll probably really end up exploring that. Yeah, yeah, and and that to me is is a valid argument. Is um, is Kevin Durant's uh, uh, level of play a, a direct result um, or, or a benefactor, if you will, of him joining 
you know, the best team in the NBA. Um, and I think it clearly is. I don't think any one of us um, would sit here and tell you, well, no, like Kevin Durant is, is you know, he's he's as good as he is because he's he's as good as he is. No, he's he's a lot of it has to do with that system. However, what, what my argument to that is, um, just to play a little devil's advocate, is um, even if that is the case, even if even if it he is uh, a direct benefactor of being on a better team. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think that necessarily. I don't think you can use that as a, as a as a argument to say, well, you can't be the best player in the NBA, in the NBA, you know, simply because you have the best supporting cast around you. Like I, I don't, I don't, um, I I think those two can be mutually exclusive. If that makes sense. Uh, but Jawan, let me throw it over to you to get your your kind of two cents on the on the game in general and. Um, KD versus LeBron. Uh, I personally loved the game. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought it was a really competitive game. Uh, it was somewhat sloppy uh, in a yes. lot of places. Um, we'll, we'll get to uh, that call at the end, but I will say I was very, very, very glad that the referees allowed them to play like men instead of uh, blowing a whistle for every every little call. Uh, it was a it was a it was a finals kind of game. And I would hope that the the refs would play play it the same way in the finals. In the in the last few seconds of that game, I don't want the referee determining the game. Uh, I'm glad it was a no call. Uh, you know, just let them play, and you kind of get a feel of of it um, when KD wasn't ejected after pushing Calderon. Uh, I believe it was in the second quarter that the refs were gonna let these guys just play. Um, but as far as uh, who's the better player right now, LeBron or Durant, um, I don't dismiss what Joel said uh, said at all, not about him being on the Warriors, but about, like, you look at LeBron and it's like you can't just go, like, yeah, no, someone's better than the guy who's, you know, LeBron's age in, in this stage of his, of his career. I believe it's like 15 years in and he's still almost averaging a triple-double, if not averaging a triple-double. Uh, this late in his career. But I will say I am leaning more towards Durant being the best player on the planet right now, mainly because if if you watch him a little closer, when Draymond was out, we know Steph's been out a little bit, Clay hasn't been playing all that good this year. I, I take that back, all that great this year. The Clay that we're used to, the Clay that can maybe get you 51 out of nowhere. Yeah, his his so, offensive game has definitely taken <clears throat> taken a backseat. Step back. Really, really yeah. since Kevin Durant got there. Like, right. I mean, so it, it, you, you know, look, I mean, I feel like that's been a big big part of that. Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree. Um, if you look at what Durant was able to do when Draymond and Curry uh, were both out, and the fact that. I'm I'm even leaning towards even thinking Durant has uh you know has a case for defensive player of the year. I believe this guy is leading in blocks with 67 blocks. Like this guy is really playing defense. Say it again, Joel. I'm sorry, I couldn't really hear you. So I think Miles Turner is leading in blocks. Yeah, Miles Turner is, but Kevin Durant's second. Oh, he's second. Oh wait, so Miles Turner has more than 67. 
Yeah, well, well last yeah. I, che- I don't know how many he has, but last I checked, Miles Turner was um, the leading shot blocker in the NBA. All right, well, I, I, as, as we talk more, I'm definitely going to look at that. But e- either way, Durant's been playing defense at an extremely high level, so he's giving you uh, all around. Yeah, he, um, Durant you- has the most blocks. Oh, okay, I oh that's right. Turner's 67. averaging the most blocks per game. Right, right. Exactly. He's averaging yeah. the most, but I think yeah, Durant Turner, has the Turner, most. That's right, because Turner was out for like three weeks or four weeks early in the season. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I thought I so. I thought so, but um, but yeah, when I look at Durant, I look at he's playing defense at a high level. Uh, you know, he's scoring at a really high level. He's passing. He's rebounding. He's giving you all facets of the game, and that's not me saying LeBron. You know, is a slouch over there in Cleveland. He's doing his thing. But I, I, I'm sorry. I think if the conversation can't be had at this moment in time, if Durant does exactly, and I mean exactly what he did last finals, this finals against Cleveland, if if they see Cleveland in the finals, I don't think you can continue to ignore the fact that uh, if you think Durant isn't the best player in the NBA, LeBron's 1A to Durant's 1B. I don't think it's LeBron's 1 and, and Durant's 2. Interesting. Um, well, here here's where I fall in this whole spectrum, I guess. Um, I think there's a number of things at play here. I think if you just if you just look at the statistics, I think LeBron wins in almost every single category. Um, he's got more assists. He's got more rebounds. He shoots better field goal percentage. Um, they average about the same from three. Um, like I know the the kind of stigma around KD is, well, he's a much better three-point shooter. Well, statistically, mm-hmm. this season, he's not. Um, in fact, I think he might even be a little bit worse. Um, but they're, but they're like, head-to-head there. Like, they're, they're both really efficient three-point shooters this season. Um, now, uh, I think if you look at what KD has been able to do the past, say, uh, two weeks, I guess, since since uh, Steph Curry's been out with the ankle injury, is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we're—it's—it's it, it's like we're almost just kind of lulled into the fact um, we just—we just get what we get from LeBron, and we just—we just get in this complacent mode where we just expect it. Um, so I feel like even though what he's done the past two weeks is very impressive, um, what LeBron's done all season is utterly remarkable um like what he's been able to achieve with a roster um that lost Kyrie Irving doesn't have Isaiah Thomas yet um and so it's basically him Kevin Love and then a bunch of role players uh and they've been dealing with a lot of various injuries uh throughout the year obviously Rose uh is is still out um I like as I mentioned Isaiah Thomas is out uh, Tristan Thompson's, you know, had some had some injury issues. Uh, Amon Shumpert, so you know they've obviously it had had a go at it as far as trying to figure out who they're going to play and how they're going to play and everything else. Um, the one constant on that team has been LeBron, uh, and I would say a, a kind of a one A to that is it would be um, Kevin Love. He, Kevin Love's probably having the best season uh, that he's had since he was in Minnesota. Um, which has been, you know, absolutely necessary for the Cavaliers. Um, 
but my thing is this, uh, and, and this is why I kind of tend to agree with Joel um, on top of everything that I just mentioned. Um, I think if you break it, if you break down uh, what what LeBron has been able to do with uh, with a team that is as as best that Cleveland could construct. Um, and it's a, it's a, don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a, it's a fine team. It's a damn good team. They've gotten, they got a lot of um, deep, you know, role players this season. Um, but if you were going to build a team around LeBron, um, you, you would change several things. Um, now they, they put together the roster that they could, you know, basically afford to put together with guys who were available and wanted to come there. Um, but it, it is, there is a good point that, that Joel makes in that, you know, Kevin Durant went to this roster um, in Golden State, and he was the absolute perfect fit for that roster, right? Like, if LeBron James just decided to go to San Antonio next year, like, he would that would be, like, the kind of perfect storm, perfect fit for somebody like LeBron James. Um, like under a Popovich system, everything else. My point, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, making a long-winded point here, and that is to say that um, I think Kevin Durant is playing up to his absolute potential more so than LeBron James is. But LeBron James is still better. Like he's, he's not even playing – like Kevin Durant is, is, is totally peaking right now and, and hitting – his absolute best basketball that he can possibly play. Uh, LeBron's not even doing that, and he's still statistically having the best season of his career in his 15th season. I I just don't think you can – I don't think there's even really an argument to be made. I think Kevin Durant is the second best player on the best team, and LeBron is the best player on the third or fourth best team. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Hold on, hold on. You said you said Durant's the second best player on, on, on the team? best team. No, 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 no. Second best He's player the best in player the NBA on the, best on the best team. Oh, okay, in the NBA. okay. I was about That's to say, come on, let's not be ridiculous. Okay, okay. I, I get your point. All I'm saying is, and like I said to start, uh, I don't throw away anything uh, you or Joel said. Um, you know, it's it's you know what LeBron's doing is is one of those things we expect, so we overlook it a little bit. Um, but if Durant, like I said, has a playoff run and a finals, one equal to the one or better that he gave last year, I'm sorry. Even if you still don't want to say Durant's better, I'm sorry. I have to say that, that, you know, that, that gap that people are assuming is between LeBron and Durant, it's not much of a gap. It, It has to be a 1A, 1B. It can't be a... LeBron's one to Durant being two. It has to be a 1A, 1B. I mean, I don't know what else Durant can do to show that he's up there with LeBron besides There's, duplicating uh, duplicating a, uh, a playoff and a finals run like he did last year. Well, and like I said, there's there's not really anything he can do because, I, I, I mean, he I think Kevin Durant is playing the absolute best basketball that he can possibly play right now. It's just not as good as LeBron. 
Like, um, it's what's going to have to happen is LeBron, you're going to have to notice a visible, like LeBron's going to finally have to hit that wall of being a mid-30s player um, and, and Durant's not there yet. I mean, that's what's going to have to happen. That's what's the changing of the guard. Um, and I, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out as well, um, like we're, we're all talking about this obviously because um, Durant's team bested LeBron's again, beat him by, uh, mm-hmm. I think, seven points. Um, Cleveland shot 31%, 31.8, I believe, percent from the field. Uh, Golden State shot 46.3% from the field. So, like, mm-hmm. again, like, that is such a statistical anomaly for Cleveland. Like, they don't normally shoot that poorly. Um, so we're all talking about this in a tight game where LeBron's teammates didn't shoot the ball very well. He didn't get a few calls at the end of the game. And I don't, I don't necessarily uh, disagree with you, uh, Jawan. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I think it was clearly a foul. Um, but w- like you said, it was, it was refed like a playoff game and you, that is not a foul in the playoffs. We all know the game is called differently in the playoffs. Um, so I don't, I don't really like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, you know, the, the whole game rested on that foul. No, the whole game rested on the fact that y'all shot 31% <laughs> from the field. Um, so, but make no mistake, I mean, LeBron had himself a game and had his guys, you know, knock down some shots throughout, throughout the game, they would have, you know, they, they would have won that game actually pretty handedly. Um, because, I mean, they shot bad the whole game and were at various times in that game in control of it or at least uh, looked like they were in control of it and, and at the very least were, you know, in it uh, right down to the end and until, you know, they, um, you know, finally just, just were surpassed. Uh, but nevertheless, um, yeah, I just – I just can't make that argument yet. And and you know what, Joan, if if we have um you know, a fourth rematch in the finals and it's very similar to last year's finals, um I do think you're right that the argument will kind of start to shift from the majority of people don't think Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA to cuz honestly right now most people who say that are just like LeBron haters. Um, now I'm not saying specifically you, although I know you're not like a fan of LeBron, but you never, you're never one to let your bias um, like seep into your argument like a lot of like a lot of pundits <laughs> out there, uh, like you, Doug Gottlieb or whatever the hell his last name is, um, <laughs> or you know like someone like Nick Wright, who you know obviously is is the opposite side of that coin. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, uh, I think the argument will will start shifting towards what you're saying. I definitely do, because um, I mean I feel like it has to. Um, but I think there's just so much more at play um, than 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 that. You know, um, honestly, it would. It here's here's probably the best comparison that I I feel like I could give you. It would be like in you know, uh, 1963 uh, saying that, you know, Bill Russell is clearly a better player than Will Chamberlain. Yeah, Will Chamberlain may can score 100 points, but he can't beat Bill Russell in the, in the finals. Well, 
Bill Russell had Bob Cousy and a bunch of all-stars playing around him in Boston, whereas Wilt Chamberlain didn't have any of that. Now, I'm not saying LeBron James doesn't have anything. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, you're dealing with a stacked team like the, the late 50s, early 60s Celtics, which are very comparable as far as their quality of talent is to the Golden State Warriors versus the rest of the league right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no. Like I said, um, I completely understand where you and Joel are coming from. Uh, I, I'll never, uh, I, like you said, I'm not that big of a LeBron fan, but I'll never go as far as to disrespect him and, and ignore what a season uh, or what a career he's given us. Um, I'm just saying the the debate has to at some point become a lot closer than a lot of people, uh, especially in the media, want to. Uh, want to think that it is. And like I said, uh, if he gives another phenomenal playoff and finals run, like I said, if if you can't make a case still that he's better than LeBron, which I'd understand. I mean, like I said, I completely understand where you and Joel are coming from. Um, I'm just saying it has to at some point become a 1A, 1B. I mean, the age that LeBron's at, you can't tell me at 36, 37, he could still – well, let me not say you can't because I didn't think he could be doing it this season. <laughs> it would be highly um, improbable. <laughs> right. Um, but at some point, improbable. the NBA has to has to work on changing the guard. And it doesn't have to be Durant. Maybe they want it to be someone else. But it has to be someone else. It can't just be LeBron and then when he's gone, you don't have a face anymore. You, you have to start at some point looking at the age that he's at and work on that next guy. So that that's that's all I'm saying. I just thought Durant would be the best choice, uh, you know, to to be uh, the guy that takes over after LeBron's done. That that's all I was saying. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, like, the the um, the media has tried to build that narrative for a while now. I mean, it was four four or five seasons. Not even not even that where it was, is Steph Curry better than LeBron James? And then, you know, it, it took that finals where, you know, Curry kind of had his bum ankle and LeBron just went ham and brought them back from, you know, a, a, a 3-1 deficit to, to win the championship that we were all, we all kind of pumped the brakes collectively. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think that kind of the natural reaction to that is like, all right, let's not get carried away again. You know, like, let's let's wait, let's let this thing play out, let's not get carried away again. Um, but I do think that is a narrative that, uh, that you know, is always good for the NBA. Um, and I also think, uh, to, to agree with one of the points that you made, is it is a discussion that should happen, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't just be LeBron haters who are saying, like, um, you know, who are, who have always been, like, these outspoken people who try to act like, you know, just because there's some people who want to have the LeBron versus Michael debate that you have to basically turn him into something that he's not and try to, try to like, downplay his successes over and over and over and over again. Like, it shouldn't be just those people um, who are saying, like, let's, let's have a discussion about this, you know. Um, it, it should be a more broad-minded uh, uh, discussion um, because that's always more helpful in, in uh, um, maybe not necessarily finding a solution, but uh, but opening up 
the question to others uh, for their um, purposes of debate. Um, but anyway, let's move on. We've got a lot more to talk about. Um, Philadelphia 76ers defeated y'all's Knicks. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, by seven points to kick off Christmas Day NBA action. Uh, Joel Embiid posted 25 points, 16 boards, three assists, and three blocks with six turnovers in 34 minutes. The Knicks franchise player, Chris Dapsporzingis, posted 22 points, seven rebounds, and five blocks with one turnover in the same amount of minutes, 34. Um, what are your thoughts on the game? And uh, secondly, who would you rather start a franchise with, Embiid or Porzingis? Uh, and really quickly, um, I don't know if y'all noticed the uh, the subtitle to this episode, but it is Merry Christops and a Happy Embiid. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for it. I was like, man, I hope they're not just going to, like, leave me in silence. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> like, nothing worse than when you, like, pause for the laugh and then you don't get it. Um, I probably would have just, like, thrown in. Yeah, I, I would have... There we go. I would have just thrown in one of those as quick as possible. Um, but anyway, uh, Joel, your your thoughts on the game um, mm-hmm. and uh, and the latter question of would you rather have Embiid or Porzingis to start your franchise? Um, tough question. Uh, well, the second question was a tough question. But I thought the game was pretty good. It was an entertaining game. Uh, but, you know, especially late for me as a fan, uh, it was frustrating to watch to the point where I, I didn't even watch the last couple minutes because I just didn't like where it was heading. Cause I just, I could see where it was going and I didn't like it. So I just, I just didn't want to frustrate. It was Christmas day. I don't know. I didn't really want to frustrate myself. So I walked away. Um, and you know, I walked away for good reasons, but like I was impressed by the game itself. Like Joel Embiid's a great effing player. Christoph Swazingas is also a great player. And I want to shout out Enos Kanner who had a monster game that game. 31 uh, points, I believe. Yeah, 31 and 22. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. But that is still great. lost. And, and I appreciate Enos Kanner uh, saying what he said uh, at the end of the game, where it doesn't matter like what I put up because we, send it, we still lost. And that's the kind of attitude you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game itself was an entertaining game. But if I had to pick one player between Embiid or Kristaps, <sighs> I, there's, there's obviously positives and negatives on both sides. I think mm-hmm. Embiid probably is a better all-around player, like all-around, even like with rebounding mm-hmm. included. Kristaps still not a strong rebounder, but he pretty much does everything too. <laughs> that's basically right. it. Uh, they basically do the same shit. Um, he probably beats them in rebounding, and that's about it. Um, and, but the, another thing, and they're both kind of injury-prone too, so you can't even say one is right. more injury-prone than the other. Though right. Joel Embiid is a scarier proposition because he's had a history of just not being able to play long. And that's the reason the Sixers' record is the way it is. He hasn't played enough games. They actually sat him out for health reasons uh, because they don't want him to get hurt again. So I don't know if that's a long-term thing for them. I hope not because then what's the point? Um, But they did pay the man. Um, I still think I'm going to roll with Chris Dobbs because that's my boy. (laughs) But it's it's really – it's a crapshoot, though. You know, it's a crapshoot. Throwing up in the air, either one I get, I'm happy. But I'm still going with Chris, the unicorn. Well, and I, I heard an interesting statistic, yet, uh, like, earlier today. Um, the best 
quote-unquote rim protector, um, not shot blocker, but rim protector in the NBA mm-hmm. is Kristaps Sporzingis. Nobody shoots less, uh, less of a percent. Uh, wait, let me rephrase that. Uh, as far as guarding the, as far as guarding the rim, uh, the collective NBA has its worst uh, field goal percentage when being guarded by Kristaps Porzingis um, around the bucket. So, like That's the awesome. fact that, yeah, I mean the fact that you know you can you can sit here and say I, I don't like I know I know Porzingis gets a lot of blocks, but you can sit here and say well you know uh, Joel Embiid's more of a true center, so that bodes you know, better as far as, you know, protecting the rim and he gets more rebounds and yada, yada, yada. Well, statistically that that's not backed up. I mean, statistically Porzingis is the best quote unquote uh, rim protector in the NBA. He's not the best rebounder, um, but he is the best rim protector. So, uh, so I think that was, I thought that was a very interesting stat. Um, but uh, but Joel, I'm gonna kick it. I'm sorry, Juwan, I'm gonna kick it to you. Uh, same question. Uh, thoughts on the game, and uh, why do you think Porzingis? Why would you kick Porzingis over Embiid? <laughs> <laughs> uh, great way to pass it to me, Nick. Uh, no, uh, me quite like Joel. Uh, it was very stressful to watch. I luckily had my Christmas Sunday to avoid any further distractions from the distraction of watching the Knicks on Monday. Um, very winnable game for the Knicks. It was very, very emotional to watch uh, them lose that game when I, I thought uh, that they that – not easily, but they could have definitely won that game. And you guys already know mm-hmm. how I sometimes feel about Jeff's coaching. Um, but as far as uh, which player would I prefer to start a franchise with, um, as Joel was saying – uh, you know, they both kind of have in, uh, uh, injuries that they work with. Chris Stops to me, has more so of those injuries that your star player kind of would have playing as many minutes as he does. Just a little, like some Nick, you know, uh, like, you know, being nicked up a little bit, no pun intended. Um, you know, it's never a long stretch. Like, Chris Stops has never had to miss, like, months. Or a full season. God, everyone's <laughs> so knock on wood right now. Jesus. Yes, Who are you I, I, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not right now. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if I can say they're they're both uh, as injury prone as, as the other. Um, but I will say this: if you take away uh, the idea of Embiid uh, maybe not being as as healthy as you would like him to be, I would give it to Embiid because I just feel as though, and in, in what I saw a lot from that game Monday, he's just more physical. Uh, than Chris Stops. And I don't mean from a body standpoint, even though he obviously has a a bigger build. I just mean from a mentality. He is super aggressive uh, on the offensive uh, end and on the defensive end. And he has the one thing I tell you guys, I always look for a player to have. He has some dog in him. This is a guy who was was shit-talking Carmelo Anthony before Carmelo came up to him and said, hey, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Don't do that to me. Like, I love what Embiid does, and he's the ultimate troll. Like, there's just so much about him, his personality, his approach to the game. It's just something Chris Stops just doesn't have the build for. Not, not as far as body, but it just seems like mentality. He approaches it a, a lot lighter than uh, Embiid does. So if Embiid didn't have those injury issues, I would definitely uh, want to start it with Embiid because he has that, as Kobe would say, 
kind of killer instinct when he plays you. And I feel as though Chris Stapps could develop it, but he just doesn't have it right now. He's not as uh, aggressive as um, as Embiid is. But I look at those two the same way I look at AD and DeMarcus Cousins, that if AD could be healthy, there's no question he's a better all-around player than DeMarcus Cousins is. But, you know, the, the, you know, when you're starting a franchise, you need a guy that's going to be out there every game. DeMarcus and Chris Stapps happen to be those guys, so. Yeah. Um, I actually, yeah, I'm, I was, that, you surprised me a little bit. Um, so, uh, but uh, real quick, I also had my uh, my Christmas on Sunday. The like the family get together uh, was was Sunday, and uh, the Falcons were playing. So, like, good on you, Joel, for stepping away from the game. Like, my family did not. And so little kids are opening presents while, like, my brother's like, motherfucker, like, <laughs> off, in, off in the distance. Like, you know, what's, what's, you know, it was a fumble on the, like, five-yard line or something. And, yeah, you just, you know, right. you know. Um, it, it, it was fairly comical, though. Um, and, and, Funny enough, man, uh, my my little nephew Easton, I think he's like seven or eight. He was like, it was time to open presents, and he would like open a present and then like it, he'd like open it really quickly and get all excited, and then he'd like sit it down and turn and like start watching the game and wait for the play to be over, and then go back and open open the next one. It was <laughs> it was it was pretty hilarious. The boy loves him some football. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, I I think uh, those are some very good points by both of you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, it, it's basically, do you want to do you want to take the gamble on Embiid? And and so the thing is, I'm not that like usually I'm the kind of guy who's who's the most hesitant about injuries. At least out of the three of us, um, like I, I'm I'm the guy who's like I don't want Jabari Parker right now because of Jabari Parker's injury and both of y'all are more like, yeah, but there's so much upside if he can stay healthy. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm a lot more cautious when it comes to, comes to injuries, but like you guys said, or I think Joel, you, you said, um, like any guy who's, you know, seven foot between seven foot and seven, three, um, mm-hmm. And, and playing NBA basketball, you're going to get hurt. You know, I mean, you just are. You're not like uh, you're gonna get. You're gonna be banged up. But the trick is, can can Joel Embiid uh, essentially be that kind of player who can still give you sixty like sixty ish games a season in the regular season, and then play throughout the playoffs? Because that's what you want. That's all you want out of him. Because if you can get 60 games out of him in the regular season, you'll make the playoffs. And then if he can play throughout the playoffs, then you're fine. And you get enough rest throughout the playoffs. Um, you know, they don't overwork these guys in the playoffs. Um, so he would have, you know, the adequate recru- uh, uh, recovery time uh, between games. Um, so it, it, it is tough. I mean, if, if, if injuries decide, like if, if we were playing uh, 2K and you could just turn injuries off, yes, I would take Embiid, even <laughs> though, um, even though, man, uh, like I, there's just something about a guy who's seven foot, seven feet tall who can knock down threes. And you can't, like, you can jump as high as you can 
trying to put a hand in his face, and you just there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, we see KD do it, and Kristaps has mm-hmm. at least three inches on him. Um, now he didn't have as much lift as KD, um, but I mean, just his his sure height and and length alone, you know, it's just so hard to contest that shot. Um, and and Joel Embiid is a good he's a good shooter. He's a really good shooter, but he's not a great shooter. He's not like Kristaps Porzingis good. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like the, like his range and consistency from said range almost kind of balances out the fact that he's not um, not as, as physical. Um, like in today's NBA, it's not quite as important to be that physical. Um, so, I mean, I think, honestly, it just it, – it boils – it really kind of boils down to this to me. Like, who's my four or who's my five? Because – like that that's what's going to make the difference for either of those players having the right person next to him because if you have the right person next to see cuz I don't think I don't really look at Ennis Cantor and say he's the right person to have next to Porzingis um not no no knock against Cantor he's just not a defensive minded center which is what I think you want um he does get rebounds like a fool so like that that part of his game is good you just want someone who could who could defend a little better um, like honestly, like someone like Steven Adams would be like who you want, um, surrounding, uh, Porzingis. Um, and then, you know, as far as, as far as Joel Embiid, uh, you want somebody who's maybe a little, little, you know, quicker on his feet and, uh, can, can switch a little better and can spread the floor. Sarge kind of fits that bill. He doesn't really play defense. Um, but you know, nevertheless, he, he fits it a little more to a T than Cantor does. Um, it, you know, if if you had, if I had to choose, I would. I think I would have to go Kristaps, man. Like just, just simply. I mean, like y'all said, the injury stuff, um, and just the fact that he's so so good at, at shooting, like just being that good at shooting and being that tall is just crazy good. Um, however, I will say this: uh, it, it would definitely be a coin flip. And as you said, Jawan, I think you have to consider um, that, like, Joel Embiid, his, his, he, he's, he's the sultan of social media, man. Like, you can't discount that and how marketable that is. So, like, that's another, yeah, like, yet another aspect to this whole equation. Um, so, yeah, I think I just talked myself out of it. I'm going with Joel Embiid. Like, I'm going to look at this from the whole perspective, not just on the court play, but, like, how can you market your, your guy, your superstar? Like, you got one guy who's trying to slide into a, a supermodel's DMs who's married and doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And then you got another dude, like, talking shit to everybody on the face of the earth. And, like, you know eventually he's going to get that date with Rihanna. Like, yeah, I want I want that guy on my team. Um, especially, damn, like, could you imagine if he was on, like, the Lakers, man? God, that dude would be, um, that, yeah, that would, that would be super, super crazy. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to go with Embiid. I'm going to go with Embiid. I mean, I, I will say this. Uh, I will say this, jo- Joel, definitely something uh, we as fans <clears throat> would like to see more of from Przingas that you see uh, – a healthy amount from Embiid. Uh, and, and I know the way the game's going, we don't need a lot of this. But when Chris Stops is cold, like from shooting, I'd like to see him put the ball down uh, and, and do some kind of post move. Like, 
Joel Embiid uh, isn't like a go-to shooter. He's not going to look to go to the outside first. He'll back you down and get points that way and then expand out to start shooting. Kristaps uh, starts, the, starts the opposite way. He'll, he'll start with a three and then start with a mid-range and then possibly work into uh, the paint. So I'd like yeah. to see Kristaps kind of develop that a little bit more if his shooting – isn't on, uh, and I'm not talking about yeah. that one game where he was uh, one for something. That that's an anomaly. That's not going to happen. No, he was zero for I'm eleven. I'm just referring to get your facts straight. Oh, 0 yeah. for eleven. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh for eleven. Yeah. I just mean one for two nice from Joel. the free throw line. I remember that game oh, because yeah. I I did remember <laughs> to start him for that game in my fantasy league, <laughs> and that did not help me. <laughs> Um, yes. the, the biggest the biggest point I was trying to say with that is uh, the nights where, <clears throat> excuse me, to where late in the game where he's putting up threes that just looks like he doesn't have the legs uh, with the you know with with shooting them. If those aren't hitting, you got to get it down low and create something, whether it be a foul or a better look that way. Because uh, yeah. you know guys that shoot once Too they long. see the ball go in, they can start to get get hot there. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I completely understand what you're saying. I'm just saying it, it just it bothers me a lot of nights where he's taking all these outside shots. No, I a agree. A lot of them, a lot of them in key moments aren't hitting. It's just like you yeah. got to develop something else, man. He needs a yeah, he well, needs a sky hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would yeah, work. Dude, like, <laughs> that would work. Mm-hmm. No, that would absolutely work. And I mean, no, it would be absolutely unguardable. Um, and and I think oh, another. Another thing, too, um, that I can't believe I, I failed to remember my first go-round, um, Joel Embiid's footwork is just is the, the, probably the best in the NBA. Great. Like, yeah, I mean, really he good. really is, he really is, like, the closest thing we've ever seen to seen to Olajuwon um, as far exactly, as his yeah. post footwork and, and how he moves. Um, but then, you know, like, you say that, you say, like, he's the closest thing we've seen to Olajuwon, but then again, you you like would never see Olajuwon pump fake a three pointer, drive to the basket, yeah. and then Euro step around the guy and make a bucket. So like, I mean, New age, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if God, if he stays healthy, man, and again, knock on wood, like I hope he does. Um, yeah, I mean, if if he can have a successful ten year career, um, he may very well go down as you know the best modern center. Um, so like not in, not including I would say uh, not including like Will or um, or any of those guys maybe post Kareem Center like he might be better we we may look back and say yeah I mean Shaq was great and all but Shaq was one note like Olajuwon was great and all but he couldn't do all these other things that that Embiid could do you know I mean he's got that kind mm-hmm. of potential um, yeah so, I, but yeah I, I mean I think the biggest that, thing the is the only thing is the only thing with that is is, yeah, Shaq was extremely one-dimensional. But I don't think we've seen a guy his size be that amazing at just one thing. Like, it, it, a lot of people go, oh, well, he always goes to his left, so just push him right. Yeah, that's a lot easier said than done when it comes to well, Shaq. You're not yeah, making no, I mean, him Shaq do was, anything he doesn't want to do down low. Yeah, well, Shaq mm-hmm. was unstoppable. Like, there's no no denying that. I mean, he was absolutely unstoppable. I'm just saying, like, if you – I don't – and I don't mean, like, I guess it's to, to – I shouldn't trivialize it by saying he's one no. But, like, what I'm – you know, what I'm, what I'm more trying to get at is that, you know, 
like I don't know I don't know how y'all look at the situation like personally I like if you were to ask me who's the better center in the modern NBA say post Kareem um, I would say Olajuwon is the best um, mm-hmm. just because of everything he could do. Um, Yep. Now, if you said Shaq, I think that's a that's a very worthy choice. I mean, I think it really comes down to one of those two guys. Um, but I mean, I just I, I have the um, I guess a greater admiration for Olajuwon's game because it was so yep. fundamental and because it was. He just, did beat Shaq like, in the finals, didn't he? He did beat Shaq in the finals. Yes, he did. He's he got that. Them. <laughs> he's got that as well. Um, Young Shaq. So, so yeah. <laughs> Young Shaq, yeah, running the whole court, Shaq, like that—that that was fun, Shaq. Mm-hmm. That was like that was when he was like really fun to watch. Um, he wasn't nearly as much fun to watch when he was in LA, but he was so dominant, he was unstoppable. He was. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I just I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And that and see and the thing is, like with Porzingis, there's not really anybody that you can compare him to. Like that's why he's the unicorn. Because there's never been a guy that's come before him that's like him, so right. you know it'll also be interesting to see how his career plays out. But I that's think big. I think Joel, I think you said it best. Like you you, you can't go wrong. <laughs> like there's not a wrong answer. Yeah, really. So you know, but uh, but let's move on. We got uh, several more topics to get to. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Houston Rockets. Woohoo! 112 to 107 in a Christmas Day thriller that went down to the wire. Westbrook logged 31 points, six rebounds, 11 assists, and three steals with five turnovers in 36 minutes. Harden posted similarly impressive numbers with 29 points, eight rebounds, 14 assists, two steals, one block, and only one turnover in 38 minutes. Westbrook did, however, dominate Harden in the plus-minus margin by 18 points. What are your thoughts on the game, and which team do you have more confidence in come playoff time? Uh, let's see. Joel, I'm going to start with you. Um, I didn't catch this game, um, but I know the OKC has been on a roll. Uh, they've been, they, they've seem to have found their groove, <laughs> which didn't look like they were finding it very much uh, early in the season. So it's kind of happy for them. To see that they've uh, they they kind of found some type of niche, where they've they they found some cohesiveness somewhere. Um, the Rockets Beat, beating um, Toronto right now by seven points in the third quarter too. Yes, they so are Toronto's another Toronto. Toronto's another one of those really hot teams. So that's good to see. They're sleeper man. They're sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Houston Houston was on a fucking roll, and then um, and then they weren't. <laughs> and Chris Paul went down again. And yeah, uh, well, and now they've been what? That's kind of the crazy thing, though, isn't it? Like how how quickly they got used to to relying on Chris Paul, and then because mm-hmm. I mean they were on a roll before Chris Paul, um, and, right, and then right. when he came back and they started playing, like they just kept being on a roll, and then you know he's gone, and then all of a sudden they're like it's like they don't they don't know how to go back and operate without him, right. <sighs> It's weird. It's awkward. Like, I don't know how they, they, they weaned on him so much already. <laughs> but, hey, you know, it, it took their take. They're adjusting. Uh, maybe they'll catch on again. Uh, we'll see what happens. But they're good teams. 
Uh, OKC was not looking good at first, but they're looking better now. And when it comes down to the playoffs, like I said in the beginning of the year, I think OKC a scarier team to see in the playoffs than Houston. But that's only because of the way Houston plays. I do like what Houston has done, and I do like the Rocket team. I think they could make it very far because <laughs> I think they have the weapons to do it at full strength. Um, but I would never sleep on the Thunder, and I think uh, – that I think because of the big three in OKC, it's, it's hard to, to put them under the – when it comes to a playoff team, like when it comes to a series, I think OKC Thunder are a scarier team to see in the playoffs than the Rockets. No, seeing the Rockets is not is not no – like walking apart. <laughs> they, they can shoot right. lights out, and if they get on fire, they, they have a shooter's chance. They can beat anybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think probably the craziest thing to me is how, how – with this this Rockets team with Chris Paul and this this Thunder team, you know, with a fully healthy roster, how great defensively both of those teams have been this season. Because um, you're talking about mm-hmm. two teams that were totally inept at defense last year, especially the Rockets, but even the Thunder, like, I mean, they did not play very good defense at all. Right. Um, and, and right. I mean, Thunder have one of the best defenses in the NBA, and the Rockets, you know, when, when Chris Paul's on the floor, I mean, they have, you know, a solid top ten. Oh, shit, the building's on fire. <laughs> uh, sorry, the Thunder, <laughs> the Thunder game, there's, like, smoke coming out of the Raptors. It, like, took me off guard. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, my building's not on fire. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean both these teams play such great defense. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I I totally kind of see where you're coming from, and I do think that um, I think it'll be interesting to see how that we've got because we still only have such a small sample size with Chris Paul, though it has been a terrific sample size. It'll be interesting to see um, a how that that the rest of that. Um, plays out throughout the year with him on that team. And probably the biggest, like the elephant in the room is, is, you know, can, can he, can you rely on him to stay healthy for the whole playoffs? Um, Cause it's just, it seems like it's just the Chris Paul thing. He's, he's never had like, like a detrimental, you know, really long-term injury where he's out for like a season, but he every single year misses, large chunks of time uh you know in a given time and it's it's always always at the worst possible time seem, seemingly so maybe he's getting his injuries out early this year let's hope so cuz it would be it would be really nice to at least see a, a a player of Chris Caliber be able to go out and play and compete for um the right to go play for uh, a, an NBA title um, but Jawan, let me throw it over to you. Uh, same question. Uh, it was a really good game, <clears throat> really fun game. Uh, I love when <clears throat> Russell Westbrook gets these TV games. Uh, he shows up for them. Uh, even him doing the bow at the end and saying "Merry Christmas" to everyone after they beat the Rockets. Just, I, I, I love everything about Russell Westbrook. Um, as far as your second question. OKC definitely, um, especially now that they they got a really good one-two punch going with Westbrook and, and Paul George, uh, with Melo just sitting in limbo pretty much. 
uh, contributing here and there whenever he can or whenever they decide to pass it his way. Um, I, I love what this team has. Uh, and, uh, you know, this team being OKC, the one that I said at the beginning of the season would represent the West, um, them playing better kind of makes me feel better about that ever being an idea that I had. Um, but I, I, hey, you I, I and me don't both, have, brother. <laughs> hey, exactly. Um, I don't have much stock in, uh, in CP3. Uh, I, I just don't. That's not me saying he's not a good player. That's not me saying he won't finish a, his career a Hall of Fame player. Um, but I do not think Chris Paul will be what propels uh, the Rockets to the finals. <clears throat> I think that will all be on James Harden. Um, whether or not he's he's tired uh, by uh, Western Conference Finals if they get there, um, if he's flamed out, who knows? Sometimes with James Harden, it's just a mental factor. Um, so, you know, that'll remain to, to be seen. But if I had to bet on one of those two teams, I bet on the guy, uh, Russell Westbrook, who's been there before, uh, has that, that dog in him, has that monster in him, and it doesn't hurt having a guy like, Paul George and Carmelo uh, as your backup. So if they could possibly find a way to get Andre Roberson uh, to remember he's a shooting guard and not Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal, that team would really, really do some great things. Uh, Joel, you said you missed the game. One of the funniest things I think I've ever seen in NBA history uh, with a poor foul shot uh, or a poor foul shooter uh, as Roberson was shooting, Westbrook was behind him, clapping him on. And when he made the first one, he's clapping him on more. He's getting the crowd to, to kind of clap uh, with him. And then when he missed the second one, he's still clapping him up. So it's just it, it's hilarious uh, that even that his own teammates kind of find that to be a little bit of a joke, that a guy that is not a big man is that horrible at shooting free throws. I don't get it. I get it because Roberson honestly is, is kind of bad at shooting in general. Uh, defense is definitely what this guy was born to do. Um, but, yeah, if they could just make sure that he's not a liability come uh, if they get to the Western Conference Finals or whatever, they could really, really, really be a dangerous team. And speaking of the defense that you were saying before, uh, the, the defensive level that they're playing at, that only helps. Uh, Paul George trying to guard uh, a Durant, Westbrook on on uh, Steph, and Roberson on Clay, Mello with Draymond. That could really be a, a really good matchup uh, for OKC. So uh, I'm definitely with them on uh, thinking that they'll go the furthest uh, this year. Yeah, I, out of those two teams, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. And again, like, Thank God they're they're starting to tie together. I mean, I was it was two weeks ago. I was like, all right, trade Paul George. Like, I wasn't saying trade Paul George at that exact time, but I was saying like, all right, you got to start thinking about it. You got to start plotting this out and think about what you can get for Paul George, because I mean, it, I like I was panicking, man. Like, it, I was be, trying to be so patient, and it, I just. I I was it. They were legitimately just not fun to watch. And that was the thing, like, all last year, even when they were, like, you knew they weren't going to go deep. Like, they were always they, always fun to watch last year. Like, probably my, my favorite team to watch last year was the Thunder. 
Um, and this year they had just not been fun to watch at all. But the last two weeks they've really turned it on. They've looked great. Um, hey, Juwan, how about um, you, you brought up your kind of uh, laughable moment in that game. My favorite was when Russ hit um, – I think it was Russ – Hey, Robertson, uh, over on the left side of the key, um, wide open three-pointer, left side of the key, and the defender runs out to guard him and stops about 10 feet away from him and just stops. <laughs> <laughs> and Robertson like, was like, almost had this moment where he was like, oh, you're going to give me that? You're going to give me that? And he like, okay, so the guy like 10 feet away and then tries to drive to the lane. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he already stopped ten feet in front of you. He ain't biting on that pump tape. <laughs> Absolutely not. He, he he gave up on 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 you uh, doing anything with that basketball other than passing. <laughs> yeah, or driving to the lane. Yeah. So, or driving. To yeah. The lane, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely think you're right. Um, he he is. He is so bad at at shooting the basketball. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I still I still want the the Thunder to make um like just a slight roster tweak. I still love the idea of a trade with my Hawks, um, to acquire Marco Bellinelli, um, send Singler, Kyle Singler and Terrence Ferguson. Um Terrence Ferguson he, I mean he's he's not getting any minutes there. He's you know, as long as you're trying to contend, he's not going to get minutes there. Um the number 21 overall pick in last year's draft, um, you know, I mean, the Hawks need to get younger. If they can get, you know, a, a quality uh, young player who has, you know, potential, if, if he gets some playing time, um, Singler's got two years left on his deal, so that's not, you know, terrible to take on um, as far as contract-wise. Um, and I think Bellinelli would be huge for that team. I mean, dude, he has been playing so great this year for the Hawks. Um, I think if you put him in, you plug him into that lineup, um, and you have going down the stretch, you have Russ Bellinelli, um, Paul George, Mello, and, and Adams. Like now, you now you've got, you know, you're surrounding Russ with three people who can score the basketball consistently, um, could shoot from deep. Um, you know, uh, Bellinelli's really savvy. Um, I know Abrinas kind of fits that bill, but he doesn't. He's not as good as Bellinelli. He doesn't have the experience um, that, that Bellinelli has. Um, so, I mean, I think that would be a very kind of uh, worthwhile trade for the Thunder if the Hawks um, would, you know, be on board with it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I nevertheless, even without any sort of roster tweaks, I'm still going to take, you know, the team uh, that – well, A, that I picked earlier in the season. Like, I, I, I already kind of started turning my back on them. Now, like, now that they're playing well, I'm like 100% back on that uh, that bandwagon. Um, and uh, honestly, like I just I have more faith. Um, I, I'm kind of with you, Juan. I don't necessarily – it's not that I don't like believe in Chris Paul. Um, I just don't believe that he can stay healthy when it matters. Like we have to see that to believe like I have to see that to believe it because um, it's just it's every single year um, and I mean we we've already seen it this year I mean he's just he's just a guy who who's 
always banged up and can never be on the floor when you need him. Um, now, if Chris Paul stays healthy and can play, I think the Rockets could potentially even be a threat to the Warriors. I mean, I think the, the way that team has played with him in the lineup and him knowing his role and the fact that Dan Tony can run a two-point guard system so well, I mean, it, it, I mean, it really is crazy, like, how productive both of those players can be playing together. Um, but it's just that offense. It's that D'Antoni offense. There's just so many opportunities um, for every single player that it, it ends up working. Um, and, you know, if, if Chris Paul can kind of share some of that load with Harden, they can, you know, both uh, stay, stay as rested as they need to be. Um, it, it could be very interesting. Um, but also, too, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be really tough to consistently knock down threes in a, in a series. It's one thing to do consistently throughout a regular season where you don't have other coaches, other great coaches constantly making adjustments to try and make that harder for you to do. Um, but once you get into a seven-game series and you, you know, uh, the other team has opportunities and chances to adjust to what you're doing, um, I, I think it's, it makes it harder for them to, to be able to win that way. So if they're going to win, not only do they have to be proficient from three-pointers, I'd say they need to shoot probably at least 35% from three um, in any given game to, to, have a, a, to have good odds of winning. But they need Chris Paul on the floor for his defense. Um, they need Bamute for his defense. They need Trevor Ariza and P.J. Tucker for their defense. Um, that's been the biggest thing that Chris Paul brings to this team. And if they don't have that, they don't stand the snowball's chance in hell at, you know, making it through the, the gauntlet that is the Western Conference. Um, but, Joel, I wanted to pass it back to you. That's a lot of information um, that Joanne and I just kind of spilled out there. Um, do you have anything to add to that? No. <laughs> All right, then. Cool. Jawan, how about you, man? Uh, <laughs> Joel's hilarious. Um, <clears throat> no, I just wanted to clarify one quick thing. Um, you were saying that if Chris Paul was healthy, um, you know, then, you know, you could maybe see the Rockets doing something. I wanted to clarify I feel even if he is healthy, I still would not give the Rockets uh, a chance over Golden State the way I would give OKC that chance. Um, I I don't think Chris Paul uh, is enough to beat Golden State. I I don't think that healthy, uh, you know, steroids, whatever added boost Chris Paul could get, I do not think that would help uh, the Rockets get over um, Golden State or OKC if, if they had to play them. Um, I just don't think uh, he adds enough to get them over the hump. So I just wanted to clarify that and separate us because um, you were saying if he's healthy, that could be a different uh, conversation. I'm saying even if he's healthy, I still don't have faith uh, that that Rockets team with Chris Paul can beat Golden State or OKC. Wow. Yeah, I mean uh... – I, I can understand your point. I, I definitely disagree. I think 
Um, I, pro- I probably would have agreed with that earlier in the season, and maybe I, maybe it's possible that I even did. Um, but after seeing the way how efficient that team is when he's in the lineup and how he plays defense um, or how their team plays defense with him in there, um, I, I think – I think that makes a huge difference. And I also think if you match up the Warriors against the Rockets, um, I, th- I think they can they could probably play with them as far as defensively. Like, I mean, I really do. I think Paul can definitely guard Curry. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he can shut down Curry because we all know that's not going to happen. We've seen that before. Um but, I mean, he, he's definitely going to guard him better than James Harden could. Harden can kind of take a breather by guarding Thompson. Um, you've got Ariza and T.J. Tucker who are interchangeable to try and uh, slow down Durant as much as humanly possible. Uh, Bob Mute uh, can, can, you know, kind of try to play Draymond a little bit or play uh, Iguodala. Um, and Capella is, you know, very solid uh, paint protector. Um, like they they've got a lot of good defensive pieces this year um, that they they did not have last year. Uh, I think the most interesting thing to see is come playoff time how they utilize Ryan Anderson, um, a guy who can knock down thirty footers like it's it's nothing, but can't play a lick of defense and is probably like <laughs> one of the most slow footed guys in the NBA. Like cannot guard anybody. Um, so I think, I think that'll be interesting, um, to kind of see how that, that situation plays out. Um, but no, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I do, I'm glad you made that, that distinction though, because that's, that is definitely a distinction between the two of us. And I, I would almost say, uh, I've almost kind of pivoted more to, uh, Joel's, um, stance on the Rockets, surprisingly enough. Uh, how does that feel, Joel, to, to know that you have brought me to your side um, as it pertains to the Houston Rockets? <laughs> well, it just proves that you are, uh, you're a smart man. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, thank you, man. Uh, but what does that say about Jawan then? <laughs> well, he's, uh, he's full of yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I feel a little disrespected, but okay. <laughs> maybe, no, maybe no, I wanted just to feel completely that... disrespected. <laughs> oh, well then completely. Um, well, you know, maybe maybe it just says Juwan is a little more um, uh, He's hard-headed. Nice. It's all good. That's all. Uh, good. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know. Um, well, anyway, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how all of these situations play out in the West, and it's just, it's, it's, it's awesome that I think one of the coolest things that have come out of you know one year removed from from KD, uh, well, w- more like w- close to one and a half years now removed, but but one year removed as far as season wise from KD's uh, decision to go to Golden State. Um, is all of these other teams like making moves to make themselves better? Um, because it it the, the the parody that did exist in you know the West for for several seasons all went out the window when KD decided to go to Golden State, and so you know the league has made adjustments, and basically the teams that weren't quite good enough 
to, you know, be uh, consistent second-round teams in the NBA um, have had to basically take a step back and reevaluate where the teams that were got better um, or the young and upcoming teams, uh, like, say, your, your Minnesota Timberwolves, um, got better, um, which I think is good for the NBA um, if for no other reason than we need to have somebody who can at least compete with the Warriors. Um, like I know in a perfect world, Joel, you would want even more parity. You wouldn't want four all-stars on one team like we have right now. Um, but because we do have four all-stars on one team, it helps that we have, you know, a stacked Oklahoma City team now and a stacked um, uh, Houston Rockets team now. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Spurs are always going to be the Spurs, you know. Like, I mean, they're they're just solid, solid team. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Do what now? They're silently back. Yes, exactly. Like they they have all of the right pieces, um, and that's that's just a testament to their um, savviness and just being able to draft the right pieces, um, make free agent acquisitions of players who were overlooked by other teams. Um, you look at a guy like Bryn um, Forbes, who is playing terrific for the Spurs. Um, yeah, really? would, would he play terrific for any other team? I don't know, but mm-hmm. I would I would feel very confident in saying he would not be playing as well as he is playing right now on any other team. <laughs> so, um so yeah, I mean, it's it's uh definitely uh, Spurs are always always in the conversation. As long as they have Greg Popovich, they're always in the conversation. Um but anyway, let's move on. Uh to hot takes and mock trades. Uh, Jawan, please don't let us down. You tell us you got a hot take for us. Uh, uh, yeah. Go first, though. Man, that did not sound promising at all. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, okay. This will this will take a little bit of time, so it'll give you some time to think. But I'm going to need an answer from you as well. Um, okay. I've got a few trades. Um, they're all really simple. Um, but I want to, um, I want to, A, I'll set it up like this. Uh, so around Christmas, around the, the Christmas, uh, day game, um, it has been reported that the, uh, Lakers, um, were in talks with the Dallas Mavericks to ship, uh, to possibly trade, uh, Julius Randle to them in, in, in some, in some deal that would involve, uh, getting back Nerland's Noel. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit throughout the season about various ways that uh, they can move, um, uh, you know, Julius Randle, um, who they obviously need to move his contract up at the end of the season. Um, so I've got a few deals. I just want to go kind of run down. There's four different trades. I'm going to run them off real quick, and then I'm going to throw it to you, Joel, and then you, Juwan, ask you um, which one do you like the best um, for, for, you know, kind of both teams. Uh, number one would be uh, this Mavericks deal. Uh, Mavericks would get Julius Randle. Uh, the um, Lakers would get Nerlens Noel and Dallas's uh, 2018 second round pick. Uh, deal number two, Indiana Pacers. Uh, Indiana has uh, uh, just over $5 million in cap space. Um, Julius Randle's contract is $4.1 million, so they don't actually, and they have an open roster spot. 
So they don't actually even have to trade back a player. Um, so Lakers send them Julius Randle. Uh, the Pacers send them back uh, their first-round pick in the 2018 draft uh, with some kind of minor protection on it, maybe lottery-protected or top-ten-protected, something like that. Um, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Lakers send uh, the Nets Julius Randle, the Nets send back Nick Stauskas, and Toronto's 2018 first-round pick that they acquired in the Damari Carroll trade. Um, or, and this one's, uh, probably a little more out there as far as likelihood, but I, I did want to mention it because I do kind of like it on the surface anyway. Um, the Lakers send Julius Randle to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves send back uh, Bielitsa, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and then uh, they send back OKC's uh, 2018 t- lottery-protected first-round pick, that they acquired in the Ricky Rubio deal. Um, Joel, uh, out of those four trades, uh, which do you, uh, which, which just, you know, kind of resonates uh, the most with you, if any of them? Okay. Um, can you give me another recap on that again? <laughs> four trades, real quick. Yes. Who goes where okay. one more time? Yeah, 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 I got you. Um, so, uh, trade number one, um, so all of these, all of these, their, their respective teams are, are getting, um, Julius Randle. Okay. They're not getting anything else. It's just, okay. It's just Julius Randle. Okay. So trade number one, the Lakers get back Maryland's Noel and the Dallas, uh, 2018 second round pick trade. Number two, they get, uh, is with the Pacers. They get the Pacers 2018 first round pick. Trade number three, the um, they get the 2018 first round pick from Toronto from the Brooklyn Nets and Nick Stauskas, um, and then trade number four, they get back uh, Bielica, Bielica, mm-hmm. however you pronounce that dude's name. Bielica, Bielica, um, one of those. Yeah, I, I've heard it a few different ways, but I think it's Bielica. Or something, something like that. It's weird, right. um, but uh, they get sure. back him and they get back the OKC uh, first round pick um, that that uh, they got in the Rubio deal. I'm gonna lean towards. Uh, I like it if they. If, well, I really like if Brooklyn could pull that off for Brooklyn. I think that'd be a great pickup for Brooklyn. Uh, not that I really want Nick Stauskas or anything. You probably just obviously want it for the pick. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just to make the money work. Right, obviously. But, yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one for him, uh, even though Dallas is not a bad choice, uh, Indiana's not, I mean, none of them are really bad choices. Um, but I think I would be impressed if Brooklyn pulled that off. Matt, I mean, it's possible because they've been pulling shit out of their ass. So I'm, I'm going to lean towards Brooklyn as my favorite of the four. Um, but uh, Dallas, I mean, either way, Dallas, Indiana, Minnesota, I mean, any of them would be good choices because he's, uh, I think he'd fit there anywhere, any of those four. Yeah, well, and I think Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn would be interesting to see him reunited with Russell. Um, they obviously yeah. need somebody who's that. much young. Yeah, who's much younger at the four. Um, Damari Carroll is like 30 years old, so I mean he's he's yeah. you know getting up there. He's been kind of playing most of their minutes at the four this year, 
Um, he's been playing very how well, is, uh, but he's obviously not a long-term. Uh, go ahead. How's how's uh, Randall's range? I don't know. I forget how far. Oh, Kenny, he's uh, not that great. No, no, no. He's not that he's, great. He's no, no, no. He's a lot better uh, than he has been in years past. Um, he's not. Okay. He's. I mean, I think he's a plus thirty percent from three. Um, so I mean, he's not like you know he's not shooting like forty percent or anything. But you know, most people like right. him don't. Um, so I mean, he's got a, he's got a reasonable. I would say his range is comparable to Draymond. Um, like he's okay. when he shoots threes. <laughs> yeah, when he shoots threes, he's not going to consistently knock them down, but he can get streaky. Um, he's probably maybe a little worse than Draymond, but not much. I mean, he's not he's not terrible as far as range. Um, but you know, I mean, he's he's definitely no. He's not a. He's not a um, what I would call a a, a stretch four. Um, he you know he's okay. he's a hybrid four. He, he can stretch the four right. a little bit, but he's he's gonna get you rebounds. He's and he's a really good passer. He's really underrated as far as his, his passing ability. Honestly, I think his biggest glaring problem is his defense, um, and most of that's just effort. Like he he doesn't right. uh, right. he doesn't look like he's given a whole lot of effort, um, especially this year. I think he feels really kind of pissed that he's not getting minutes. Um, like he's getting right. kind of getting shafted by a rookie and, you know, a guy in um, uh, what's their other guy's name? Shit, I just forgot it. Um, no, that's the rookie. Kuzma and uh, uh, oh, man. Yeah, he's I mean, he's he's Junior. playing behind two different guys. Um and I think I think yeah, it's kind of true. been frustrating for him this season, um, but I, yeah, I mean I think he can bring a lot to the right team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll go ahead and, and and give my pick, and then I'll throw it over to you, Juwan. I really like Indiana. Um, I think um, a Indiana I think offers them the best pick that they would get in this whole equation, um, because I think when it's all said and done, the way Oklahoma's playing right now. Um, they're going to end up winning more games in Indiana over the course of the season. Um, I, I also think Toronto will end up winning more games in Indiana over the course of the season. Um, and so I think that would be the best, you know, pick for the Lakers. Um, but as far as the Pacers, I think Randall would be a great fit in Indiana. I think he would pair very well with Turner. Um, a, Turner's got range. So now you've got two kind of big guys who can get in and rebound the basketball. They're both pretty good passers. Um, they're, they're both very versatile players. I think they would match up, would pair very well together on the block and also, you know, um, with their ability. Uh, I think one of Randall's um, kind of best abilities is that he can play at the top of the key, um, kind of like Nikola Jokic, um, obviously not nearly as effective as Nikola Jokic, but nobody is, um, short of maybe DeMarcus Cousins. Um, but, like, he can play at the top of the key and, and make very good decisions. He's a very good passer. Um, so I think that's another thing that would kind of help out, uh, uh, help them out. Um, and, and you could even see Oladipo uh, getting a lot of benefit out of that. Um, I just really mm-hmm. like that. I think I think that – that kind of young core of Collison, Oladipo, um, Bogdanovich, Julius Randle, and, and Miles Turner would be – that would be really fun. I mean, I've already enjoyed watching them, but we got to, you know, we got to remember just like Carroll, Thaddeus Young is 
about 30 years old. He's getting up there. He's got two years left on his deal. Um, yeah. I think the biggest thing would be, you know, turn, uh, the, the Pacers never want to spend too much money. Um, but I don't think you're going to have to pay Julius Randle a crazy, crazy contract. I don't think the market for him is going to – there's been too many teams in the past two seasons that have signed bad contracts. Um, there's not that many teams that are going to have a ton of space. Um, I think your biggest your biggest worry would be Dallas. Dallas coming in with, say, say Dirk Nowitzki retires. Dallas has about $12 million in cap space this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have about 10 to maybe – 12 million coming off the books plus with the salary cap rising after their draft picks, yada, yada, yada. I think it's fair to assume they'll have at least about $20 million in cap space. They could go out and offer him a $20 million a year contract, which, you know, if you're Indiana, are you going to match? They didn't match Solomon Hill's contract. Um, Granted, Solomon Hill is definitely not, uh, (laughs) he's no Julius Randle. So, um, but that would be, you know, that would probably be your biggest fear. But I don't even think, I'm not even certain that he would get a $20 million offer on the free agent market. I think you're looking at more like 15 to $18 million a year for Julius Randle. You might even get lucky and get him for a little less than 15. Um, so, you know, I think if you can do that, and plus you have, you have, um, if they if they cut uh, Al Jefferson before next season, they can save about he's got four million guaranteed next season, um, but he's scheduled to make ten. So if you go ahead and cut him, you save six million dollars in your cap space there. Uh, plus, I feel like Thaddeus Young, thirteen million dollar um, expiring contract. I feel like that would be easy enough to move to the right team in the off season. Um, so I think there are ways that they could make the cap situation work. Um, and the only other player that they need to re-sign next season, um, and, and this is even arguable, is uh, Glenn Robinson III. Um, I think he's, he's a solid role player for them. I would I would want mm-hmm. to re-sign him if I was them. But um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that that's my favorite. But I do like the Brooklyn one a lot too. Um, yeah. I, well, that's honestly, why I enough, his range because. I don't know how well he would fit next to Okafor if Okafor is their future center. Uh, you know, that's that's where I was thinking. Right. Flash. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing too, if you're Brooklyn, that you have to consider is you know you got Mozgov on the books, you got Crab on the books. Those are both yeah. two big contracts. You know, I don't think you're going to have to pay that much for Okafor. Um, and honestly, I look yeah, at Okafor no. and and think of him as a as a as a canter type, like. Yeah, you're probably yeah. gonna be best through the bull as like <laughs> right. a six man, honestly. You know, right. um, but you know, I mean, I, time will tell on that. But uh, but yeah, so I, I think it'll be interesting. I think also the other thing to keep in mind too, uh, Brooklyn uh, also you know acquired that Knicks second round pick in that Okafor trade. So if they needed mm. like a sweetener for the deal for the Lakers to to bite on it, they could offer them that in addition to the Toronto pick. So, um, you know, if they're, if they were willing to do that. So I think that's another, um, interesting little way that Sean Marks could get that deal done. Um, Jawan, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, do you, uh, as far as, um, a trade for Randall? Um, so you have, uh, Indiana, Brooklyn, Minnesota, and Dallas. 
Um, which of those deals do you like most? Well, as a Knicks fan, <clears throat> it'll pain me to say this, but uh, I definitely go with the the Pacers. Um, I really think. Uh, by the way, Oladipo, if he's not an All Star this year, the system is obviously rigged. Right. Um, no, he has to be. I I definitely think um, Oladipo with uh, Randall and and Turner. Uh, that could be a really dangerous young team going forward. Um, and uh, and that will definitely help rebuild the, the reputation of the, the East. I, I definitely think people sleep on Randall, mainly because he was injured. Then when he came back, uh, you know, the Lakers as a whole just weren't good. And now in a season to where they're not horrible, he doesn't get playing time because you have a rookie who's giving you 31 and you have Nance who's giving you, uh, you know, everything else, it's just hard to work him in that. Um, I definitely thought they could have maybe rotated him at the five with Brooke being out at some point. Uh, but I get why well, they, they don't. And they have um, a little bit. They they played him They played him a lot at the five when they played the Warriors the other night. To, yeah. Because, yeah know, they well, were we know the Warriors sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, we know the Warriors a lot of times like to play small ball. So we understand that. Um, him, just like Nerlens, they definitely need to go. Uh, they are great talent um, and have a lot of potential, but it's hard to see that potential when you don't see them. Uh, and I completely mm-hmm. don't get uh, the Dallas situation. Um, no, because that's a roster that looks like on paper should be a thousand times better than what they actually are. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if Dirk is still playing – I don't get why you're not playing Nerlens because you're obviously not playing for anything. So why not evaluate mm-hmm. the talent that you have? Uh, so I completely don't get that. Uh, I just really hope uh, not to get too far off the topic, but I just really hope this season isn't a setup to fire Rick Carlisle unless he would like to leave uh, because that man deserves so much better than what he's been, uh, than what he's had to work with since they've won the title. Um, he just deserves better talent than that. And I feel as though Dallas isn't putting enough money into, um, into that team. And I don't know how many more times Dirk can shave what he's being paid for them to put talent around them and then not put talent. I don't know. But as far as the, the trade that you were uh, mentioning, I definitely think uh, the Pacers are the best one for it. I like Joel before you, you uh, went into your, uh, your take, Nick thought the Nets would be a really good way to go. Uh, Okafor, Randall, Lynn back healthy next year. Um, uh, D'Angelo Russell and uh, Damari Carey. I thought that could have had potential to be a really, really, really good lineup for the Nets. Uh, But you made some really good points about that. And uh, I kind of like the idea of Oladipo, Randall, and uh, and Turner for the future of the, the Eastern Conference and how dominant those three could be. Um, with the way that uh, Oladipo and, and, and Turner already ball, and me seeing the potential in Randall. So just placing that all together, if Randall can live up just a little bit to what I, I think he could be, those three could really be dangerous together. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was kind of where my head was at, and also the fact that I really do feel like um, both teams would be getting uh, – you know what they need because obviously the the Lakers don't want to bring Randall back because they have two good power forwards 
and, you know, want to go out and make a big free agency splash. Um, and, you know, they, they, I think, definitely want to get a first-round pick out of it. I mean, he was the number seven overall pick at one point. I mean, you want to get the the best possible draft pick that you can get out of that situation. And I think given the circumstance of, you know, the teams around the NBA, I think Indiana's, you know, definitely the, the team that can offer them the best possible draft pick in that equation. Um, but really quick, just to touch on, uh, I did want to um, agree with you uh, real quick. I don't know how Dallas is as bad as they are either, man. Like, you you have – A, I don't understand why you, you, you're playing Dirk at the five. I don't, I don't get that at all. Like, I, I get that if, if you have, like, a, a power forward um, like a Julius Randle, like a Draymond Green. Um, but Dirk's not – like, Dirk's not a rebounder. Like, that's not – he doesn't <laughs> – he doesn't bang in the Never paint. Happened. He's not – yeah, this is not his style, so I don't understand why you wouldn't want to play a guy like Nerlens Noel, who a is. I mean, he's not a he's not a banger. He's not gonna like get in the paint and like bang around, but like he he is he's he's a good paint protector. He he's good at blocking shots, which is something that Dirk's never been good at. Um, so he's much better on defense, and he's versatile. He's 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 he moves well. So like you could potentially like play him, use him on defense as, as somebody who can both guard the paint and step out to guard. So you don't ha- ask Dirk to do as much. Like you would use him in a variety of ways. Um, and I just don't understand why Rick Carlisle doesn't use him. Um, and I, I it, it, it really does baffle me. Um, and I use Harrison Barnes a lot at the four, um, which I get that he, you know mm-hmm. he he can play a four in a small ball lineup, but but like if if it was me, I mean, and just looking at that roster, I mean, I would I would probably want you know go ahead and put Smith as, as your starting point guard, um, but then go Matthews, uh, Barnes, Nowitzki, and and um, Noel. Like I don't I don't mm-hmm. understand why they don't why they don't run that lineup more often. They don't run it very often. That's- no, that's logically the line of everyone comes to. Uh, and it, we, like, rarely ever see it. <laughs> and, like, Noel will play, like, five minutes when they do it. Like, right now they're starting Maxi Kleber or Cleaver or whatever the hell. Even yeah. they're starting power forward the last couple games. And it's like, I guess. I, I think he's German, too. Right. we got two German guys. <laughs> so, I, I well, guess they want to try to catch fire <laughs> with Maxi. Honestly, I think it's a, it's a bullshit tank job, man. Like they are trying to tank. I really think that's what it is. Like and and like, you know, I can't say that much because obviously, you know, the Hawks have been their roster has been constructed in a way that like to to you know basically rebuild and and tank and, and get a good pick. But we don't like our coach doesn't usually there there does sometimes seem to be some questionable um. Uh, moves as it pertains to Schroeder, um, like mm-hmm. well, like Schroeder just like won't play like the end of the fourth quarter from time to time, um, and you're like, eh, like if you were trying to win the game, you'd probably have Schroeder in, oh, you know what I mean? But um, yeah. but we like the difference is I think in in those two two styles of tanking is one team is trying to 
play competitive basketball and, and lose a game in, in the fourth quarter. And another team is just like trying to lose the game from the get go, you know? Um, and I, as, as a, someone who has watched probably not the majority of the Hawks games this season, but a lot of Hawks games this season, um, like I would say at least half, if not more, um, they're still a fun team to watch. Like they, they still play competitive basketball. We've only gotten blown out just a handful of times. Like we play competitive basketball. Um, like look, tonight we beat the wizards 113 to 99. Like, um, Nice. Like we we go out and we play basketball and we try to you know we we try to compete each given night and I think that is way better for your basketball culture than trying to you know it's one thing for a GM to construct a team in order for to start a rebuild it's another thing for a coach or maybe a, a GM or an owner to tell a coach to play the team a certain way so that you lose games. That's just, like, players in the locker room can see that, and I think I've got a feeling that's what's going on in Dallas right now. Um, And probably, I bet you it has something to do with Mark Cuban's got his eye on somebody that he wants, and so he, you know, he wants to make sure that he has the ability to nab him. Um, and, and, And also, mind you, this, both times the both times the Hawks have played the Mavericks this year, the Mavericks just like completely stopped playing at the end of those games, and the Hawks beat them in the fourth quarter. Like I don't know, something's rotten in Denmark there. But I digress. Uh, Jawan, do you have a hot take for us? <clears throat> Excuse me. It is definitely uh, somewhat of a hot take. I'm looking at the Eastern Definitely Conference here. somewhat of a hot take. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings right now. Uh, Cleveland at number three, Milwaukee at number seven. Correct me if I'm, if hey, I'm, uh, wait, wait, if who's, I'm wrong. Who's number one, Juwan? Actually, actually, the way that they have it here on ESPN, it says Boston, number one, sitting oh. at 28 and 10. Toronto twenty three and nine. I'd like okay, to well, trying to do there. Yeah, um, I was trying to do you'll, it. <laughs> you'll never get you'll never get me to say Raptors in number one. Uh, you know, You're working on in the it. same sentence. Anyway, uh, yeah, they are working <laughs> on it. But thank goodness for Mello, Westbrook, and Paul George keeping them where they belong. Um, anyway, correct me if I'm wrong. Number three <laughs> plays number six in the first round of the playoffs, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, perfect. So I see to where um, Milwaukee could either get number six from Indiana or remain at that seventh spot for Cleveland to either go up to two or to stay at three. My hot take is after seeing the way Milwaukee has been playing and assuming Jabari comes back anything close to what uh, we know Jabari to be, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say I, I see Milwaukee giving uh, Cleveland a first-round exit. What? Ooh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. Oh, man. Ooh. Hear me out. Hear me out. I, came I mean, to this honestly, I will say this. If there was one team that I think 
has the potential to do it if all the chips fall the right way. I've said before um, that I thought Milwaukee had the best chance to do it. Um, When you said earlier in the season that that Washington would would knock them out in the first round, I thought you were fucking crazy. Um, But uh, but yes, let's 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 hear you out on this one. I I came to this conclusion, uh, Joel. I already hear you with the deep breath. I came to this conclusion actually the last game uh, where Milwaukee played Cleveland. I just see the size being such an issue with that matchup. Uh, we know LeBron at any given point could just say, you know what, F this. I'll go for 50 every game if I have to. Granted, uh, he most definitely could do that. But I just look at how the size bothers uh, Cleveland. I mean, I was watching that game, and there was points to where their shooters you mean the length, were going right? up. Say it again. You mean you mean their length, the length, right? Their length, yes. I'm sorry, their length. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, because yeah, I was actually getting into a point of length. I'm sorry, I meant length. Um, you know, Cavs shooters were going for a shot, and the Bucks defenders, like, have have such uh, good length that they're you know them getting their hand up is is enough to bother the shot. Like there's the length against those guys is definitely an issue that they just can't fix. Like it's not a fixable thing. Um, so I could definitely see uh, this Milwaukee team, and especially with the way that Bledsoe's been uh, been playing and the way that Bledsoe played in that game. Uh, and anything uh, Jabari could give them extra, um, I really think this team has a shot to uh, to give Cleveland a first-round exit. And now, like I said before, uh, before I give it back to you, Nick, they could see them either way. Uh, if Cleveland goes to two and Milwaukee stays at seven where they're at now, um, or if Milwaukee goes to six and Cleveland remains at, at number three, to which they are currently. Uh, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Milwaukee's been playing like a five, maybe six, seven team, uh, six, seven seeded team uh, lately, as far as their their record shows. Um, but yeah, I, I do think their length is is a very dangerous matchup uh, against Cleveland. And if Jabari can come back anything like we knew him to be, uh, that team could really give Cleveland some uh, some trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I I've said before, I think that they um, have the best constructed roster to compete with the Cavaliers in the East, um, and I still believe that. Um, I still feel like they're a piece away. Um, I still think they should try to move Jabari to get better defensively, um, and and maybe with get a little more depth. Um, I mean, they have really good guard depth, but they're very lacking in wing depth. Um, you know, they have they have Middleton, they have Antetokounmpo, and Jabari Parker, and that's about it. I mean, they don't even really have a legitimate backup three because, like, if you're playing, if you're playing, uh, no matter how you put out their starting lineup, whether you're playing Middleton at two and Giannis at three, or you're playing Middleton at three and Giannis at four, there's not really a legitimate backup to whoever's starting at the three. It's like you're rotating each of them back and forth between playing the three and trying not to have them 
you know, trying to balance their minutes while still having one or the other on the court, which is possible, especially with playoff basketball, because you're really only trying to go about eight or nine feet. Um, but um, there's there's just too many holes for me to 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 give that too much credibility. Um, like I I really do think that uh, if they make they need to make like a a really flash trade to get, like, a really good center. Um, and there's a few of them on the market. Um, or maybe not even a really good center, but just, like, if it, like say if they could make a trade um, and send Jabari Parker to Dallas uh, for, like, Noel um, and, and, and some other pieces that would make it worth their while, um, you know, something that can bolster their defense and their depth um, I think would be huge for them. Um, and, you know, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm already, what, I'm paying $125 million for my roster right now. I don't want to have to pay uh, <laughs> what, whatever he's going to want. I'm not going to want to pay Jabari Parker next year because um, I, don't, I don't feel like I need Jabari Parker he doesn't play defense. He's he's very much an offensive-minded player. And I just got Bledsoe. I got three-point shooters and, and Tony Snell and Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Middleton. Although Middleton hadn't played offensively, he hadn't played great this year. He's He's been a very, very uh, Clay Thompson-esque year. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I, I think that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on as far as um, that's concerned. Um, uh, so, Joel, I win, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say that I agree with everything you said about uh, Milwaukee when it comes to playing Cleveland. I don't think they're ready yet. I think they're missing a piece, at least one piece. I don't think Parker is that piece. <laughs> um, uh, maybe he is, but uh, I just, you know. I don't think his future is there at the very least, and they they maybe they maybe should think about trading him uh, somewhere where he can be more effective, and they don't got to worry about paying him next year because that's really going to be the question for them this off season. Um, but yeah, I still well, think Dallas, not Dallas yet. would make a lot of sense too. With, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, yeah. I'm I'm just now thinking of this in my head, so I'm not sure how the deal would break down as far as how it's constructed. But obviously, Dirk's on his way out, so. They could mm-hmm. use a guy like Jabari Parker to, you know, mm-hmm. pair with with Barnes and 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 Dennis uh-huh. Smith. And he likes playing the uh, four anyway, Jabari. So right. it's not like he's like out of position. It's like right. they'd be playing comfortably at each other's three and four positions because that's what they like to play. Um, uh, I also will go out on a limb and say that uh, I don't think it matters who the Cavs play in the first round. I think John would have chosen uh, the Cavs to get eliminated unless it was Toronto, then maybe it wouldn't be Toronto. But everybody, anybody else that would play the Cavs, it might be a first-round exit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just so wait for Boston to go on a streak in about two weeks, and then we'll have yeah. <laughs> that hot take. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, no. Joan. Um No, Sorry. I mean – I think a a the fact that you're put on the spot, Juwan, and 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 b although I mean you knew we were gonna have the segment, so I shouldn't say you were put on the spot per se, um, <laughs> but uh, but nevertheless, uh, like I I I think it's a lot less far fetched than the the Wizards 
um, notion, um, mm-hmm. specifically because Milwaukee has improved their roster. Um, their roster is better than it has ever mm-hmm. been before. Well, that it's been in, in, in recent memory um, with the Bledsoe acquisition. So, um, right, right. like, I, I think watching Bledsoe go up against Isaiah Thomas would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, it would like, be. obviously – you're not gonna you're not gonna like stop Isaiah Thomas, but I think if there's anybody who can kind of contain him a little bit. I think Eric Bledsoe would probably be that kind of guy. Um, and and just Giannis versus LeBron is, is super. That's gonna be so much fun to watch. I really hope LeBron stays in the East. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, we've probably got time for about one more topic. Uh, I'm gonna ask you guys. Okay. You want to talk about replays, or do you want to talk about the surging Chicago Bulls? Either one. Uh, All right, not Juan, really we talk about the Bulls. All right, let's <laughs> yeah, talk about replay. <laughs> Fuck the Bulls. Uh, I don't really want um, to the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll save that topic for another for a later date. Um, yeah. So replays, they played a large part in in the game uh, games this year, but with referees only limited to overturning possession calls and not fouls or non-foul calls. Um, are replays really helping the game? And if not, how can replays be better utilized in today's game? Uh, Jawan, we'll start with you, man. Um, I do think they should somewhat get rid of uh, uh, these replays. They're not necessarily helping. Um, uh, the, the biggest issue I have is um, when they when something happens, like let's say a, a foul that the refs are being overly dramatic about and think is a flagrant foul. Uh, that they have to go back to the uh, the cameras and everything and see. Or I'll even say uh, about a possession or whatever, and they have to go back to base, uh, you know, Secaucus, I think it is, um, and, and, and see what they think. My thing is when the foul happens, you can tell if you're Secaucus whether or not they're going to be uh, calling you up to to get your, your thoughts on, on what the call should be. You should already have that in your mind. Like, all right, we saw it like a billion different times from a million different angles. This is what the call uh, should be. So when the ref comes over, you just tell him. He comes out, lets us know what it is. We get right back to the game. The fact that it yeah. takes the caucus like almost 10 minutes to figure out a call, I am pretty sure they were watching live, is just mind-boggling. It slows the yeah, game. Yeah, it's the same thing in the NFL. Honestly, like, Hire, yeah, absolutely. Hire only, an extra referee to be your review referee. Like just exactly. That only difference is the way it affects basketball a lot more is basketball is driven off of momentum. So if you're a team right. that's mm-hmm. riding momentum, well, football is too. But... Well, it, it, yeah, it, but basketball it, it's a little <laughs> different in football. Like a lot yeah. of the times, these replays they take a long time because of touchdowns. Um, so, you know, if you have to redo the the third down again, you get the fourth down or something. You, you know what I'm saying? So it, it it's a little different. It's not it's necessarily down, the yeah. same, but I do get your, I do get your point. Well, there, yeah, there's, there's, like almost there's a natural time between momentum. plays with, with football. I right. think, I think right. it probably, exactly. I think replays affect, I think replays affect college football more because there's more hurry up offense. Um, yeah, but I never that. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. if you're in basketball and, and, 
if you're in basketball and your star player is hot and he's leading that comeback, and then this replay is taking like 10, 15 minutes. Not to minutes, mention you got, you got both teams wandering over to their bench and getting an extra timeout. Exactly. Getting an extra timeout, stuff like that. It wastes way more time than it thinks it's saving. Um, honestly, and, and I'll even echo really quickly what Byron Scott said. I'd like the idea of getting rid of it completely, letting the refs make the calls. They're going to miss calls. Uh, just like players are going to miss certain plays. It's going to happen. There's no way to avoid it, even in terms like this. I mean, they spent however long they did on, on the LeBron play, and we knew as, as viewers that LeBron got fouled. I just didn't care, right. but we knew LeBron got fouled. <laughs> that, that was obvious. So it's like, how did you see it and not think he got fouled? You know what I'm saying? And then say right. at the end, say the next day, you know what, we messed up, he didn't get fouled. So it, it wastes yeah. It wastes way too much time, and you guys are never on the same page. So, to me, just get rid of the replays. And if the refs screw up, they screw up. Uh, the replays being there doesn't change that anyway. I I agree with that for baseball. I think replays should, you know, totally be, like, disregarded as it pertains to baseball um, because that is absolutely the worst possible um, uh, sport to have replay in. The game is already long mm-hmm. and boring. We don't need more moments of long and boringness. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, for for just replay in general, I think there should be a, a, a committee, a booth, who their job, like you, you don't even have to hire that many people. You hire like four dudes who sit in a replay, or, or, or chicks, uh, hashtag feminism, um, but like you, you hire like four people to sit in a booth and, and like have all of the games on at one time. And then you say, Hey, like we need, we need a, a verdict on that replay. And they say, yeah, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, it's out on this guy. Okay. Boom. We, that took us, you know, what, 30 seconds. Um, so this is now the call. Um, I don't know why that's not a thing. I've thought about that um, as it pertains to uh, football for a long time. It's the same thing for basketball. Um, there's no reason why the, the rest on the court should have to wander over to, you know, the, the, um, the, the middle of the court and, like, bring up a screen and look at the play and take so much time to make a call um, that, that, that just baffles me. I don't, I don't understand that. Um, so that's point one. Point two is this. Um, if, like, I don't, I don't think you should necessarily be able to go back and say, oh, that was a foul, so now you're getting foul shots. Um, but I do think it's, like, to me, it, it boils down to this. If, if you can tell, like, the way basketball used to be handled um, before replay is, and we all know this, if, if somebody, like, if there was a questionable call and say, you know, LeBron was going to the basket and maybe he got fouled, but it was like a bang-bang play and the ball went out of bounds and maybe it was off LeBron, but, you know, maybe it was off KD. But what they would do is they would just say Cavaliers ball. Like they would say, I'm not going to call that foul, but I'm also not going to give the Warriors the ball because you know, he, he probably fouled you. So we're just going to let you keep the ball and we'll keep playing. Like, that is the way it should be. And so my, like my solution to that is don't go back and when you review it, don't go back and say, um, you know, essentially, well, we missed a foul call, so now LeBron's going to be shooting from the foul line. But you can say, hey, we missed a foul call, so the possession is going to stay with Cavaliers. 
Like, I don't understand why you can't just make it like that. Like, just basically say, we're going to keep, we're going to keep replay, but like, if we miss a foul call and it's a bang, bang play, we're not going to give you the foul shots, but we're going to let you keep the ball because we missed the foul call. Like, you know, when those referees were watching that play, they were like, fuck, we're going to hear about this shit tomorrow. Like, you know, they were like, why not just let them be like, all right, here's the deal. Cavs, you keep the ball because we missed the foul call. Um, but, you know, so you, you, I mean, you keep the ball, but we're not going to go back and give LeBron the foul shots that he would have gotten had we called the foul in the first place. Those two things, I think, would make replay totally fixed in the NBA. That that, that would just be my solution to the whole thing. You, you keep replay if you do those two things, and it would make everything so much better. Um, Joel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really don't have much to add to that. Um, it is frustrating, at least for me, like when they, they have those moments where like, oh, we looked it over, and yeah, we were wrong. I'm like, why couldn't they figure that out at the time? Like, what's the point of replay if you're going to just keep fucking it up anyway? Right. But, yeah, I mean, everything you guys said is pretty much on point. I just, it's just, it's annoying. That's all it is. Because I don't really mind replay. It's not like, oh, it's slowed down. I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess. But, like, what we were talking about earlier, momentum is, like, everything in basketball. Like, I say it all the time. There's confidence buckets. And once a team gets hot, like, there's a momentum there that can easily be ruined by an extended period of just stoppage for no apparent reason aside from the fact that, oh, we got to look over what, you know, our wrong calls. So that can be uh, frustrating and annoying. But, yeah, you guys pretty much nailed everything I was thinking yeah, well, and, and again, to me, it just boils down to just make it more efficient. Like, there's no reason why you can't have a booth of people, like, who just, just you, you post them up in Atlanta, because um, that's, you know, that's where, you know, most 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 of these NBA people seem to like to be, at least with the NBA TV mm-hmm. and TNT crew and yeah. all that. Um, but just wherever mm-hmm. you post them up. You, you give them, you know, all the different basketball games going on, and then when there's a review, you call up to that booth, and whoever's, you know, you got four people, so, you know, you got anywhere maybe at tops 15 games going on at one time. I'm sure you're not – you're very rarely going, going to have an, an occasion where there's more than four reviews going on at one time and giving games. Um, so it just makes it so much more efficient. You I mean, it's – because, like you said, uh, Jawan, all of us can clearly see, like, hey, that's, you know, that's the thing. Um, but also, I want to get your opinion, Jawan, on, on, you know, what I was saying as far as um, if if you go back and you review something um, and you see an obvious foul call, um, do you think it makes sense that you just, you say, we missed the foul call, so, you know, that, that the team that we missed the foul call on gets to keep possession of the ball? Um, I, I get what you're saying, but I feel as though that's somewhat of a cop-out for the ref uh, because they got the, the call wrong. I think when you get a play like that, when it looks like it could have been out on LeBron, looks like it could have been out on Durant, looks like Durant maybe fouled LeBron, make him jump ball. Make him jump ball. That way you don't give uh, a somewhat advantage to somebody because of a mistake you made. Like, that doesn't that doesn't make that much sense to me. I get I get the way you're, you're saying it, but I just feel as though we already give the refs too many cop outs. They come out with these reports the day after, and it's like, yeah, sorry, we messed up. 
Yeah, but that does nothing for that game that the other team just lost. Like, you coming out and saying, well, Durant kind of fouled, you know, on three different occasions, and LeBron fouled. Well, Durant didn't shoot the foul shot. LeBron fouled on him. And LeBron didn't shoot the foul shot that that, uh, Durant uh, fouled on, on LeBron. So it's like, that doesn't amount to anything. All that does is further frustrate the fans and the players when you come out and you're so open about how you messed up when it's clear to every, if Stan Van Gundy could sit there and go, that's a foul. How are yeah. you not seeing that when you go back to the screen? Yeah. It's just what I do not understand. Us at home, we see that clear as day. Uh, you going to the screen is for you to see it clear as day. Uh, if you right. can't live right in front of the play. So I just think we're, they've started to give the refs too many cop outs. Uh, some of these refs are really just bad at refing. Uh, both in NBA and the <laughs> NFL. Um, I think we give them way too many cop-outs as it is. And we've seen in the NFL with those it's not a catch that seems like would have been a catch last year, but, mere, you know, miraculously they're not a catch now. Same thing with basketball. A lot of these things are fouls. Uh, and what we see a lot lately is a lot of these uh, quote-unquote flagrant calls that they're calling on some of these fouls are common fouls. And it's just like you can't get things like that wrong, especially when you have teams with players that are kind of hothead, and then he runs his mouth again, and then he gets ejected because now he has another kind of flagrant or technical against him. So it's just one of those things where it's just like they get so many calls wrong uh, that there's no way to kind of avoid it. Even if you take these certain precautions, they just get it wrong. That's why I feel as though you're going to get it wrong with replays. Just get rid of the replays. At least if you get it wrong without replays, we don't have to 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 wait like fifteen twenty minutes for you to figure out that you're just gonna get it wrong. So I mean, I do get your point on how that could kind of make things a lot easier having different uh, a lot more bodies on it. Excuse me, uh, but with the bodies that they have now, they still manage to get it wrong. So I don't necessarily see how that fixes it when obviously the it's a flawed system on uh on, on these calls a lot of the times. Well, Cole and I approach a pragmatic approach because I I don't feel like we're going to get rid of replay. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to to I guess try to figure out how the the system could be streamlined and made better. Um, but I do understand your point as well. Like, I mean, and I, I totally agree with you as it pertains to baseball. <laughs> like, God, replay <laughs> baseball is the worst fucking thing in the world. Like. It, like no one should ever have to watch a baseball game and, and watch a guy slide in the home plate and win the game and then have a, a, an umpire come out like, you know, three, four minutes later and say, nope, we're extra innings. Like, no, that's the worst fucking thing ever. Like, that's, yeah, that's and, why, like, replaying baseball, baseball is so bad. Doesn't baseball also have a seventh inning uh, stretch or whatever to where it takes, like, a yeah. break in between then? Yeah, so it's like yeah. baseball. That's why no one watches baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, except for Joel because he loves his Yankees. Yeah, especially um, especially next year uh, for Joel. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, can... no shit. Giancarlo <laughs> and Aaron Judge on the same team. Hey, man, that that might bring baseball back because that is a that is a, a that is powerhouse that is, that of is talent. Space Jam. That is a Space Jam of baseball. 
That is absolutely true. Um, but anyway, guys, we've had a, another great episode, episode number 28, I believe. Um, and uh, thank you so much, uh, everyone out there, for joining us uh, on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we will see you next week at same time, same channel, Geek Vibes Nation. And be sure to join us this Sunday for another episode. Oh, wait. No, we're off this Sunday, next right? Sunday. Next Sunday, next yeah, Sunday next, 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 next for the yeah. first season of the year of Geek Vibes Live. Thank you so much, and have a good night. Peace.